Welcome to this week's edition of Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Influential people, high-performing organizations, creating a culture of success. And now your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Are you going to stand too? Oh, I always do. Yeah. Why can't I stand? No, 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 no. Stay there. Stay there. Stay there. Yeah. Sticking me in the corner. (laughs) Stand by. Oh, I always stand. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Leading the Way. Great to have you along. I'm Scott Murray. And I'm Angel Carlton. And Angel, as you probably well know by now, if you are a longtime listener as a director at I4CP, our presenting partner, the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Yes, and for those of you tuning in for the first time, curious about what I4CP is, we are a human capital research firm. We discover the people practices of high-performing organizations and Work with some of the top companies in the world, like Amazon and Microsoft and 3M, Ford, Starbucks, to name a few. We help them improve workforce productivity and help them with the tools, resources, peer connections, so that they can outperform their competition. And if you'd like to learn more about I4CP, visit our website at i4cp.com. So obviously, you're well aware of the fact she's a busy lady. Busy week? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, yes, it has been. Oh, yeah. Even though it's the summer, it's still a busy time. Yes, it is. Well, I tell you what, we're really excited about what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're focusing on healthcare, specifically caregivers. This is such an important topic today, and I'm sure so many of our listeners will be able to relate to this and going through this. And uh, whether it's for seniors, certainly an ever-growing issue as our parents live longer and you can find yourself responsible for the care of an aging mom or maybe an aging dad, or you're simply a caregiver yourself for a sick family member or loved one. It's a challenging responsibility no matter how you look at it. And almost just a second occupation in itself. So what does one do? Where do you find help and assistance when most needed? Well, today we hope to share some answers and solutions on what you might do if you find yourself to be that caregiver. Yes, and today we are joined by the CEO of a company called Caraloop. They provide guidance and support in your most stressful caregiving moments. Their dedicated healthcare coaches walk with you through every challenge you face while caring for a loved one. How great is that? It's a powerful blend of touch and technology. Their full-time healthcare coaches, they collaborate with members through a HIPAA-compliant cloud-based portal, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about this, that really helps families securely communicate across all devices. They store those important documents and receive that dedicated you know, dedicated on-demand support that is so crucial. Totally understand, Angel. And let me share this as well with you. Caraloop's caregiver support platform provides a suite of services and tools that help working caregivers plan for and manage the care of their loved ones. So how do they do that? By simply using an innovative and transparent approach. And the company offers qualified healthcare coaches through a variety of channels and online case management tools for easy accessibility to a complete solution. And isn't that what we're all looking for every single day? Mm-hmm. Complete solutions. None of this partial stuff. Yeah, let's get it done <laughs> and do it right. And the man who leads the charge for Caraloop is the corporate CEO. His name is Michael Walsh, and he's alongside today. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be with you. Well, yeah. we're delighted to welcome you. This is uh, most unique. I mean, it was unbelievable <laughs> when we... Uh, would you not agree? Yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to uh, to our conversation today and had had some time to look at the website Give us a little background. How did you, I mean, what what inspired you to start this type of organization? So it's a much longer story than we have time for. I'll try to keep it short. But I mean, there were really two inspirations here, both one professional, one personal. So and we'll get into a little bit of my background here in a bit, but I'm originally from the Midwest. We were talking about this uh, before the show. Uh, I went to work for a company called Protivity, which is a big management consulting firm. Most of my clients were large hospital systems. And a little bit of history, um, just when the Affordable Care Act was uh, conceived and signed back in 2009, 2010, suddenly all of my corporate clients, these large hospital systems like Northwestern Hospital in Chicago, uh, the Rehab Institute of Chicago, Accretive Health, all these guys are asking the big question, how do we make sure that when we help a patient and send them back out into the world, that when they go back out into the world, they get better, they don't come back? Suddenly, this was a big issue um, because the way that the ACA was written was if you come back, if you readmit to the hospital within 30 days, uh, Medicare or the payers weren't going to reimburse the hospital, which was going to affect their bottom line. 
So uh, suddenly everybody's asking about their intake process, their discharge planning process, their care coordination process. And so we were hearing a lot of this chatter right around the same time uh, in my family. Uh, my grandfather had a significant health event. Um, him and my grandma lived in Michigan by themselves. Uh, I'm from a big family. I've got four younger siblings. We've got a family business, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But uh, when this happened, my mom basically disappeared for a year. And me being the oldest of five, uh, recently graduated from Purdue, went to work. Um, my mom disappears. My dad works 80, 90 hour weeks. Yeah, so you were mom and dad. I became the yeah. kind of the parent. And right. at the time, this didn't register to me that I was a caregiver. I, I wasn't at bedside with grandpa. But that reverberation effect of what this yes. does to a family, it touches everybody. It's mm -hmm. not just my mom. It's the whole group. So at the time, I didn't really register this was a big deal, but... Uh, as I was walking this path with my own clients, um, my co-founder, Steve Fiesfeld, been a buddy of mine since we were kids. He was working for a big publicly traded senior living company in Minneapolis and came up with this idea of, you know, we really ought to be providing more support to these caregivers. There's got to be a better way than sending them out into the world with nothing. So um, kind of those forces collided back in like 2010, 2011, and that was the, the genesis of all this. Well, good for you. Really interesting. Because I'm really excited to, to learn more about it. As a matter of fact, when we were aware of the fact that you were going to join us today, I recently read that there are over 26 million full-time employees providing care to a loved one right here in the United States. That's 26 right. million. That's just one out of every five of us. That's, There's that, 125 million people in the labor force. It's one so out it's of one every out of five. five. So 20% of the people are caregivers yep. and working at the same time. Right. And the number is actually even bigger than that, Scott. It's actually 45 million total. So 20 million of them aren't even in the workforce. Wow. So wow. it's somewhere wow. around 45 million people Well, and this. then it went on to say, Michael, that that calculates out to be 350 hours of work that one employee misses every single year Correct. when caregiving. And that means that an employee will lose one-third. This total, totally blew me away. You talk about the cost of how it affects you. Lose one-third of their annual income during the time they are caring for that loved one. Yeah, assume that two-thirds of our labor force is still hourly employees, right? So for every, if you're spending 10, 20 hours of your week, we were talking about this before the show. You right. know what this is like. Like yeah. even those, well, just I'm, those little moments in time where you have to spend a few hours. It dealing with you. the situation right. now, uh, and you forfeit I, your I earnings. Never, your never understood what it was about, but now my dad is gone, and my mom has uh, reached an age that she needs some issues. You know, has some issues now, and so yeah, it's it's all it's changed my life. Yeah. It literally has. And I thought I was busy before. <laughs> it's a major stressor <laughs> oh, today. It's unbelievable for yeah. for this generation who's taking. And I think care that's the those. key word right there. Yeah. Stress. It is. Uh, it's emotionally, physically, <laughs> financially, yeah. you name it, straight across the wow. board. Exactly. Well, I tell you what, we're really excited to have you here, Michael, and, and learning a lot more because I'm sure this is something that uh, will touch us all in some way, shape, or form during the course of our lifetime. But we start our program here on Leading the Way each week with a little something we call the lightning round. It's a little chance to uh, maybe define your journey for our listeners, who you are, what you're all about. And, uh, Five questions, simple questions, just looking for basic, short, simple answers, but uh, it kind of gives us a, a little idea as to who you are. First question, obvious. Bring, bring it up. First job. <laughs> What'd you learn from it? Uh, so I, I mentioned the family business. Uh, I actually grew up every single summer uh, working uh, the family business's landscape supply. Okay. So we've got one of the largest lands landscape supply businesses in Chicago. We supply all the contractors, the big commercial jobs. Uh, there's a small retail business there as well. So I spent every summer mowing lawns. Well, no, it's the other way around. Even worse, Scott. Even worse. I spent every summer. We've got this uh, ten-acre piece lawns. of property. It's all you have to think. It's all the supplies. All the decorative stone, mulch, dirt, brick pavers, retaining walls. Are you still doing that? No, got, I'm not. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I need I need some new shrubs at my place. <laughs> Arealandscapesupply.com. They're in Chicago. I don't know if they delivered to Texas, Scott. But, okay. Um, I spent every summer bagging stone, mulch, oh, and dirt wow. in the 100-degree heat with 100% humidity in Chicago oh, I did yeah. it every summer. Oh, God. Um, but I, it, I learned everything I, ever, I could have ever wanted to learn out there in that yard. I learned about entrepreneurship, uh, working with a team, sales, inventory management, yeah. process improvement. So obviously it was a good foundation from where you are, from yeah, where you are today. Like, you don't realize it at the time no, when, you you, when you're learning it, yeah. but uh, first job working at a landscape supply yard for, I don't know, I did it for 12 years. Every good summer. for you. Wow. Good for you. Fantastic experience. Yeah. That's great. All right. So the second question, Michael, is who are your top two mentors in life and how did they influence you? I'm a big believer in, you know, mentors, it's... They come into your life at different points in time. Uh, 
I've had a lot of different people that be mentors to me, coaches, teachers, professors, um, two people that I immediately think of that have really been a big influence in my career since I graduated from Purdue. Uh, one is a woman in Chicago named Sharon Lindstrom. Uh, she's one of my old MDs at Protivity. She heads up their global manufacturing practice. Uh, Sharon was one of these people for me when I started my career that I, I felt like she didn't directly do it, but she kind of took me under her wing a bit. And uh, she was the founder of an organization within Protivity called the Community Scholarship Fund that provided uh, funds to inner-city Chicago kids to go to college. So she created this fund and um, really taught me some of the first lessons about philanthropy that I ever learned, specifically how it works within corporate America. Uh, so very grateful to have worked with her and learned from her. Back Do you in still stay in touch with her now? Every quarter. Okay, uh, every time I'm in Chicago, we try to visit. In. Yeah. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll get into the white paper we just wrote, but I sent it to her this past week. Um, really yeah. excited to share that with her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I bet she's most proud too to see where you are today versus where you might have been when you were, you know, it's listening to all she had. When to I share. told her that I was leaving the company to go do this, you yeah. know, I was scared to go in there and tell her. She was nothing but supportive and just really excited for me. And like that's the sign to me of a great leader, yeah. great neat mentor. lady, neat yes. lady. They believe um, in you. Yeah, the mm-hmm. other one is actually someone who I work with pretty regularly now. He's here in Dallas, Michael Gorton. Uh, he sits on our board. Michael is the founding CEO, or was the founding CEO of a company called Teladoc, which is based here in Louisville. They're publicly traded. They're valued somewhere around $4 billion now. Just huge healthcare success story. Growing like crazy. Uh, but Michael, he's the definition of serial entrepreneur. And Michael's one of these people the last five years for me that always reminds me to be patient, be persistent, be professional. Like Those are three Ps he always shares with me. He's taught me about, he calls it polite persistence. That as an entrepreneur, you want things to happen really fast and, and move at your speed. The world doesn't move at the entrepreneur's speed. So you have to be very organized and persistent in what you're doing. And um, Michael's been one of these just figures in my life the last four or five years that's been really influential. So very grateful to have been able to spend some time with him as well. Very good. Mm-hmm. All right. Michael. Let's Love see. Uh, we've got one. Uh, we got about a minute left before we take a break. So let me get to this uh, number three in the lightning round. Oh, I'll try to be fast All with this right. one. <laughs> the most significant experience or turning point in your professional career and developing your skills as the incredible leader you've already become. Oh, and this is a longer story. We might have to come back to this one. No, but, go for it. Uh, when go we first it. started Caraloop here in Dallas, uh, one of the things as a first-time entrepreneur that I failed to uh, properly recognize was the necessity for defining your purpose, your cause, what what the company stands for. And in not doing this, guys, I almost killed the company. Like you know, we were we jumped out to market. We were really excited about what we were doing, and um, we we nearly lost the whole thing because we never stopped to really understand why we were doing what we were doing in the first place. So. Um, I can't implore entrepreneurs out there enough to pay attention to this, to not skip this step. This is so important. It's really affected everything now that we do, uh, specifically what we're going to talk about here in a bit with our VCO model. Uh, Such an important lesson to understand why you do what you do and to let that really drive the way that you lead a team and lead a company. Very impressive. Michael Walsh is our special guest. He is the CEO of Caraloop. We're going to continue on with Leading the Way right after this. What are best practices? Are they what set you apart from your competition? Or are they simply what most companies do to stay in the race? At the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, we focus on next practices. And that focus is what today's high-performance organizations rely on to lead the way. Next practices are tactics and strategies that our research has discovered have a great impact on market performance but that few companies are using. They are what will define market leadership in the years ahead. I4CP helps you see around the curve so your company can adapt and take advantage of emerging trends in the ever-evolving world of human capital. We want you to lead the way. So join our team, I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way. And now, back to Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Here's Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Welcome back as we continue on on this Sunday afternoon. We're going to be here till 5 o'clock, top of the hour. Michael Walsh, CEO at Caraloop, is our special guest on this Sunday. Angel, continue on the lightning round. Michael, knowing where you've come from, where you've been, where you are now, what advice would you give to a young professional, maybe a young entrepreneur? 
it seems so simple when I say it out loud, but I think it's something so many people struggle with and it's do what you say you're going to (laughs) do. It's just such an important thing. Like we're all so busy and I feel like we live in a squirrel society now with mobile devices that we're chasing all these different things day in, day out. You've got family, friends, all these extracurriculars. It becomes really hard to keep organized and sometimes deliver on the promises you make. So really focus hard on when you tell someone you're going to do something, when you say you're going to show up, when you say, hey, I'll send you this, do it. Like it's so important. It builds that trust and that integrity with a customer, a potential investor, a partner, a potential employee, like whoever it is. Just deliver on your promises. Do what you say you're going to do. You must know some of the same people I know. Yeah. Yeah, right. Those same people that say they're going to do stuff and they don't. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's wrap up the uh, the lightning round with our last question, Michael. The legacy that will best define who you are and your entire life. What comes to mind? Oh, this is such a, this is a good question. That's a tough question because uh, I don't, we don't have kids. I'm, I'm married. We've been married for three years. We don't have kids yet. I know that's probably the, the normal answer is to think about, you know, when I'm not here, what's that thing that's going to outlast me? Uh, for me today, the answer, guys, is is, is that, you know, the work we're doing at Caraloop, uh, I want to be able to say that Caraloop helped one million families with this. So that's what I, I think about with where I'm at right now, the mission I'm on. Um, I'm a big believer in family. I, I told you, I come from a big family. Um, I, I look to them a lot for, you know, stability. We have a lot of laughs, a lot of fun together. I want my my legacy to be all about family. I was there for my family. And and, I was there and for a lot of other said, families. As you say, you're married only three years, though. So right. you'll have your own family someday. You'll have uh, yeah, your own I mean, kids. I, we, you right, came we, from a big family. Exactly. So yeah. I want that that to be the legacy, guys. It's, Good it for was you. about family. Good for you. Mm-hmm. All right, Angel, That's why don't you great. kick us off with our uh, our questions for the afternoon? Well, Michael, you referenced your VCO model, the you know how you structure your value-centric organization, and that really sparked my curiosity can you tell us more about that and the, the sense of purpose that uh, that you referenced as well? I'm going to answer your question. Maybe it was another question. Let's have a dialogue about this because I know okay. with your background at I4CP, you probably see a lot of this. The way that I mentioned kind of some of the beginnings here with not defining our purpose, not defining mm-hmm. our core values, uh, which, by the way, are that we believe that no one should ever have to go through caregiving alone. And our four core values are service, empathy, innovation, and integrity. Understanding what those are, that becomes the DNA, the blueprint for your organization. And so our VCO model, uh, this was really, this idea came out of a conversation we were having a couple years ago as we were putting pen to paper and we said, look at the way that Caroloop delivers a experience to a family. And it's all about that interconnectivity and bringing a family together and really walking them through the steps so that as a unit, they can get to that positive outcome they're seeking, whatever it is. So we said, if that's what we're out selling to the world, this is how we should also be organized as well. So instead of having, and I know it's tough for someone listening to visualize this, but instead of having that more vertical or horizontal chart where you have the CEO up in the Mm -hmm. ivory tower at the top, and then you Mm -hmm. have kind of the next layer down, and then middle management, and then all the departments where it creates silos, and you don't form that mutual respect for the other functions of the business, we decided to create it almost looks like a molecule or a funnel, if you're looking at it upside down, like with this at the bottom. Um, We call it our VCO model, our value-centric organization model, because it's quite literally built, guys, on the four core values of the company, service, empathy, innovation, integrity. And the business functions then interweave through those values, which creates that cross-collaboration between departments. And you build that mutual respect and understanding for how the business actually works. So engineering and marketing have to understand where each other is at. And the designers, the engagement folks, and the business development folks have to understand where everybody's at. So it's a little bit of a different, more unique way of looking at how you structure an organization. It does create some collision at times because you might have one person over here who is kind of wandering over into something that someone else thinks they're supposed to. It does create that sometimes. But we welcome that. But it, I was it, we say, welcome in the that. end, is that not a good thing? It is. I, that's how we yeah. view it. We welcome that. Like, because yeah. then it forces two people with two different perspectives to look at the same issue and discuss it and dialogue about yeah, it. Yeah, and the company is the one that benefits. Correct. So well, while it may take sure. an extra couple of minutes, it long-term yeah. it benefits the organization. Well, so. this is certainly uh, what we are seeing at I4CP in the high-performing organizations that we're studying. And we have... Uh, a group that we are partnering with, Rob Cross, uh, professor at Babylon University. And it's all about organizational connectedness. 
and what you're doing. And I love this uh, infographic, if you will, because in the center is the CEO, but it's also empowerment. And as your role as the CEO is to empower the rest of this, you know, empower the core values, empower each of these uh, entities of the organization. And that's, um, so knowing what your purpose is as the leader uh, as well, um, that's, you're like the, uh, the energy field yeah, <laughs> of, the, of this. I'm the head cheerleader for the yeah, organization. It's really cool it how is. you have this structured. I love it. Yeah. It's all about creating success me, for everybody yeah. else. But it, it goes out from the middle. Yeah. It starts in the middle and goes out. So exactly. everything is done horizontally instead of vertically, vertically correct? Yeah. Well, you I, can like look at it, yeah. I like the funnel. I like the funnel. Yeah. Right. And, you can look and, at it like not, this, and then you have the layers and the layers. Right. And exactly I'm kind of right. more at the bottom than at the top. Right. Yeah. Right. So my question is, and this is totally off everything we're sharing here there, <laughs> but at the same time, how do you, I've seen companies that now that they have, they don't have the CEO up in the fifth floor and don't go to the fifth floor because that's where all the execs are and that's right. where the C-suites are and that's where, it, everybody is, it's, it's a whole different scenario and you walk into a large opening and it's like, this is our environment and everybody is together. So do you do anything differently as for that how, collaborative how, yeah, space, yeah, are right? You as far about? as your space within the company, whether it's physically or digitally, um, I feel I'm just as accessible as any other person in the company. And in fact, my biggest struggle right now as we're really growing and scaling is understanding where the team best needs me and how to best right, support. Because right. I love being there for everybody. I love being a part of all this stuff. It's a lot of fun. Uh, so you're exactly right. Like it's there's never that feeling. Like my calendar was wide open to the whole team. If you want to know where I'm at, what I'm doing, where I'm going, uh, if you want time with me, then just block so in. that's who all those people are in the lobby right now. Exactly, they followed you down here <laughs> yep. at the radio station. <laughs> yeah, they're all, yeah, they're all waiting. Yeah. Even on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on with our questions. Let me ask you this, Michael. Your company built around helping others, and we all know that servant leadership of sorts. So, what are some of the principles that you share with your employees about servant leadership? and the responsibilities they have out in the field. In other words, when they take your message from the corporate structure right here, uh, how should they address, uh, you know, leading their teams as everybody comes together towards the focus of of what you are all about? It really, again, everything comes back to the four core values. And so, like, take take a couple of basic messages that we share that it's – if you go on our website and you read this is what we're all about, we're not just – this isn't just something on a wall. It's Mm -hmm. not just for – the way that we deliver a user experience to a member. It's the way that it works within the culture of the company as well. So a statement that we often make is, is to seek first to understand before being understood. Now, this is usually a statement directed at making sure we understand families and understand what they're going through before we try to impart knowledge, wisdom, resources, things like that on them. Stop and understand what a family's dealing with before you try to coach them through it. But it's no different than looking at this VCO model and the way that our chief empathy officer would work with a marketing team or engagement team. It's seek first to understand where we're at, you know, what we're working on, how they can support before you try to you know, provide marching orders and, and right. course correct. And so it, something as simple as that, seeking first to understand before being understood, meeting people where, they're, where they are uh, with that empathy value. Again, it could be directed at members and caregivers as they're going through this. But it's no different than managing a team. Like we've got a member of our team. We just found out she's she's pregnant, which is fantastic. So mm-hmm. we're working through how do we best support her before, during, and after uh, she gives birth. It's just ideas like this, understanding those values right. and those principles. Uh, it really creates an attractive, fun culture to be part of. Yeah. Wow. And it sure. does sound like you've really integrated those values into the culture. It's everything. That everybody is living and breathing, you know, those the big Core challenge values. we get from people, guys, is like, you know, how do you scale that? And it's it's not up to me to scale it. It's up to all of us to pass these things to the next people that we bring onto the team. The next person has to teach these principles to the next person mm-hmm. and the next person. Mm-hmm. It's It can't always be from the ivory tower. Again, it's got to be inside out. Again, another characteristic of a high-performing organization. Very, yeah. very impressive how you and your organization are leading the way. And another thing we talk about at I4CP all the time, innovation, and that is one of your core values. So my question is, how do you successfully blend that high tech and high touch so that technology doesn't overtake the compassion part of of what you do for the patients, for the families? You know, to answer this question, I've got to give a little bit of uh, history again to how we got started. So when Caroloop first launched, 
it was all technology. Uh, we built a platform that was designed to walk a caregiver through a series of steps, and based on how you answered certain questions or checked certain prompts, it would direct you to the right resource. Well, what we found with this, guys, was is that people would get stuck on these questions because caregiving and healthcare is very complex. And what started happening pretty consistently was they would call our office and they'd want to talk to somebody. They wanted that touch because they're scared, they're stressed, they're emotional, like they're trying to put the puzzle together very quickly and they don't know what they're doing. So this whole idea of balancing that touch and tech and adding that element of that healthcare coaching piece to the platform really was birthed out of those insights with technology is not enough to solve this problem. And I've heard some of your previous guests talking about this as well, that technology is meant to empower the humans, not mm -hmm. replace the humans. Mm -hmm. So the application that we've built to be able to use on your PC, Mac, tablet, smartphone, whatever it is, it's really, we haven't, it's very easy. There's three basic functions to it. It's you can text back and forth with your family members, which is fairly easy for all of us mm -hmm. to understand. You can quickly snap pictures and upload documents and files to keep track of, Scott, all the stuff that you have to keep track right. of, insurance cards and medication Absolutely. lists. Absolutely. But then just uh, also just keep track of everything. Just keep it all in one spot. Like very easy technology. But what it empowers is that ability to access your own coach with a touch of a button. Like it's really meant to be that simple, not easy. Like that's the power of it, not the technology. It's the enablement of the human factor. Mm -hmm. So again, we look at this as very much a balance, a blend of that touch and tech. When you're going through this, that's what you need. Bravo. Yeah, bravo for sure. Mm -hmm. Michael Walsh is our special guest on this Sunday afternoon. We're going to be back with lots more as we continue on. Here's the CEO of Caraloop. And if you are a caregiver, don't go away. We're coming right back. We're coming right Leading the way. It's about influential leaders and the business practices leading companies use to impact market performance. That's what the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, does on a daily basis. We work with leading companies from Amazon to Boeing and REI to 3M to not only discover the best people practices of high performance organizations, but the next practices, those that will define market leadership in the years ahead. Senior HR, learning, talent, and diversity executives from many of the most respected companies in the world rely on I4CP to ensure that their efforts will make the greatest impact on the business. After all, it's difficult to stay ahead by only looking behind. I4CP's focus on next practices is what today's top companies rely on to lead the way. I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way every single day. And now back to Scott Murray and Angel Carlton and leading the way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Welcome back as we continue the conversation on this Sunday afternoon. Leading the way in the name of the program, I'm Scott Murray. And I'm Angel Carlton. And we're delighted to have you on board, especially if you happen to be a caregiver. Listen up. A white paper has uh, just been uh, released. It's uh, been co-authored by Kara Loop, Michael Walsh, the CEO, who is our special guest today, along with Renee Albert. She is the Director of Benefits for Facebook. Yeah, you've heard of that group before, I'm mm -hmm. sure. And how about Chicken Soup for the Soul? You've heard of that as well, the co-creator of uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul, that incredible series, which has sold over uh, 38 million billion trillion <laughs> books. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Actually, I think it's about 500 billion or 500 million. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that's a bunch, half a billion books. How about that? Uh, of course, Chicken Soup for the Soul, we've all heard of that in our lifetime. But they have this uh, brand new white paper. It's called Taking Care of Caregivers, Why Corporate America Should Support Employees Who Give Their Hearts and Their Souls to Those in Need. Michael, good for you. This is great. I, I look forward to reading this. Thank you. What's it all about? What's it share with us? Well, we've been having this dialogue today about what caregivers go through, but we're looking at it through the lens of what an individual and a family goes through. Uh, what we haven't discussed yet is what this is doing to our macro economy in terms of how it impacts corporate America. Right. So if one out of every five of our uh, employees in the labor force now, you mentioned 26 million people, is going through this, and they're spending 10, 20 hours a week trying to figure it out. You have to do it during the day. And you're doing that for an average, I want to say the average caregiving journey now, according to the stats, is 4.1 years. So do the math. Uh, and think about the average age of most caregivers in their 40s and 50s. These tend to be your VPs, directors, mm -hmm. executives. Right, These tend to be your right. high-producing employees. Right. Can you honestly tell me that they're the most productive they could be when they're dealing with some of these stresses day in, day out? No. Not no way. No. Uh, what this paper was meant to do was meant to really 
introduce and even continue the dialogue that's starting to happen in corporate America around supporting caregivers and really birthing this idea of emotional and financial well-being and how you support these issues when it comes to families. And this is a huge one. When this happens, when it hits you like a ton of bricks and you're not prepared for it, it costs you a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of stress. So if we can get corporate America starting to continue this dialogue around why we should do this and make this part of our benefit program for all of our employees to access, uh, we've done our jobs with this paper. So really excited to have done this with Renee and Mark Victor Hansen. It was a great project. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us what concerns are, uh, do organizations have around the uh, absenteeism that's taking place because of this, and how are they responding to your, uh, your service? Uh, so three, four years ago, the answer to this question would have been they looked at me like I had three heads <laughs> because this was just not something that they were really even thinking about. Um, so many people, even having gone through it, never stopped to realize what it does to them when they're at the office. Uh, but as it relates to your question in terms of absenteeism, it's equally a presenteeism issue as well. A lot of times you're still showing up to work. Mm-hmm. But are you really there, right? You're at at your desk (laughs) Googling your way through all this, trying to piece it together. Or you're on the phone with the insurance company or the facility or the pharmacy, whatever it is. Uh, It's certainly a thing. And it's one of these things that's actually, it's really tough to measure and and manage. So that's really where our team, uh, we have the tools to be able to come in and really diagnose the risk levels within the group and understand how to put a support platform like CareLoop in place to make sure that the employees get the help they need so that we can reduce some of that absenteeism and presenteeism issues that people face. We talked about uh, I4CP, our Institute for Corporate Productivity, our presenting partner, uh, a human capital research firm, Michael. Uh, data gathered is, is, is key. You know, when they, that's what they do. They gather data and figure out how this is going to best work for everybody involved. So right. what kind of research are you doing to collect the type of data that I4CP is looking for on a daily daily basis with like this white paper. Absolutely. I mean, so the white paper really goes into, and we're, we're hoping that this is a, a first white paper in a series of white papers. Like this was really meant to introduce some of the demographic trends, the research, the issues, some of the introductory ideas for to get corporate America having these conversations and hopefully uh, including us in some of them. Uh, but as it relates to even our own customers, and we work with brands like uh, you know, Brinker International, Michael Stores, uh, New York Life, uh, supporting a lot of their members and employees. Um, we tend to see that in that first year when you introduce CareLoop, you get somewhere between 5 and 10% of the total employee population to engage. So to us, that speaks to really some of the pent-up demand that was there that a lot of corporations had, again, they had no idea that this was going on within the four walls of the office. Uh, so if you can get 5 to 10% of the group to engage in the first year, the way we look at that is that's 25 to 50% of the caregivers. Right. Really? That, well, that if one out of every five, 20% of your group's right, going through right. it. Absolutely. And you get You're five to 10% of the total. So in that first wow. year, if we can get a quarter or a half of them coming forward and wow, getting that over that be, stigma of, right, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really impactful stat. Um, now, again, it depends on the organization, how right. spread out. Like there's, that's, it, it, there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of work our team has to do to, to really mine that out. But that's really what we're coming in to shoot for. If you can get a quarter to a half of those caregivers in the first year to raise their hand and say, I need help, and let us come and help you, that's how you manage the productivity issues, the presenteeism issues, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. That'll raise a few eyebrows. Correct. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. So what are these companies doing to ease caregiver burdens? Like, what's... Well, uh, the last, I'll I'll call it before CareLoop, right? Like before and after CareLoop. Before CareLoop, we've seen a lot of organizations tend to lean back on their... Uh, FMLA programs, their flex schedules. Uh, a lot of groups used to offer group long-term care insurance, which that market has pretty much dried up now. It's only individual or group life with a long-term care rider. There weren't really that that many tools. Like uh, employee assistance programs is another uh, element that a lot of companies bring up to us. Like, oh, we have an EAP, it's called. We have this. Doesn't this do the job? Um, these are great things to have in place. We would never bash these things. But what we believe is is that when you're going through this as a caregiver, Scott, mm-hmm. you get this, you need a little bit more help than just an 800 number to call and a list. Like That's not going to move the needle for you in 4.1 years. So that was really how this model of touch and tech came up is, is if we can give you that one nurse, social worker, therapist, case manager, that coach who can go on that whole 4.1-year journey with you and be that central point of contact for your family, that's a different type of experience than just going on unpaid leave or calling your EAP. 
So that's why we're, we're, cha- we're having to change behavior a bit in corporate America around this issue like, mm-hmm. and get them thinking that what you're doing, it's, it's okay. But if you want to be best in class and really support your people with this, you've got to think bigger. Right. And of what you're doing is certainly impacting the bottom line. And we certainly think yeah, so, you know. Well, like, you're you're able to connect the dots I, there. Take I mean a yeah. law firm. I mean, if I can if, if Kara Loop can create forty more hours of time for a partner at a law firm, mm-hmm. like do the like it's just those little micro scenarios sure. that you they add up. They certainly do. Let me ask you this. Is 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 an entrepreneur, as the CEO, as somebody that was a, a co founder or co creator of this whole concept, you have a vision. When you put something like this together, you see a need and you're trying to fulfill that need. So now it's been less than a decade, what, six years, seven years that yeah. you founded this company. So my question to you is two part. First of all, are you pleased with where you are today? What are you proudest of, I guess, of where you are today, knowing what you did before this all came to fruition? And number two, in the future, where do you hope to be, say, in five years? What are your goals as we sit and talk here in, you know, in July of 2018? Great question. Um, what I'm proudest of is the work that this team is doing and how passionate they are about this cause. Um, I'm extremely blessed as an entrepreneur to be surrounded by so many talented, passionate, enthusiastic individuals that um, I don't feel like what we're doing is work like work in the traditional sense. I feel like we just get to get up every day and have a lot of fun working together and, you know, do something that we feel is it, it's meaningful in the lives of others. Uh, five years from now, Scott, um, I don't know, man. I mean, this is, I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, I actually just got asked in a, a customer prospect meeting last week, big company based here in Dallas, a very well-known brand. And they asked me because they're such a family oriented company. They asked me the question, same thing. Like what's the plan for the next five years? Is this thing going to be just sold and, you won't be around anymore. Right, and I said, right. you know, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't answer that today. Sorry. Well, this um, is your baby. This right. is what I asked. Like, I, it's, what it's about for us is, I mentioned that million caregiver mark. Mm-hmm. That's that's the main KPI. That's the main metric that I'm watching. It's not revenue. It's not capital raise. It's not number of employees or any of this. It's the number of caregivers that we can help. Like, if we could have a big board in our office that has the number of caregivers we're supporting. We can watch that number go up over time. Like that should be the thing that's driving us. So um, five years from now, I hope that we're figuring out new, creative, empathetic, innovative ways to uh, continue to support these caregivers as they plan for and manage through all this because it's it's not going away. It's only going to get worse. And you're, of course, working with caregivers every single day. Um, I'm a caregiver now. Didn't think I'd ever be a caregiver. Sure. So you're just kind of thrust into it because of family and friends and what have you. So what are the, t- say, the top three things as a caregiver, knowing all the information that you do, that you would share as kind of the, the principal of the school? You're the boss. Uh, okay, guys, you're caregivers. This is what you got to do. This is what you got to know. Oh, you know, if I've learned anything, guys, the last couple of years doing this is that every family situation is different. <laughs> you know, you have family dynamic issues, geographical concerns, financial constraints, resources mm-hmm. I- issues. If you're out in rural versus urban, uh, different services, amenities, insurance, is, like you have to put all this together. So to sit here and say that there's one silver yeah. bullet thing to do. But that's what you're doing every single day. Right. That's what putting our, all that together. Correct. That's what you are all that's about. That's what our coaches are here yeah. to help do is because that's what it is. It's Incredible. a cluster. It's a puzzle. Incredible. But if it's if there's one thing I guess I could say, it's don't be afraid to ask for help. Like, don't silently struggle through this. Like, it's it's kind of yeah. like a lot of the conversations we're having around mental health in this country, that there's this stigma that no one wants to talk about mm-hmm. it. Like, ask for help. It's okay. This is not your cross to bear that you have to just silently carry for the rest of your life. Like, it's okay to reach out and ask for help. And when you do, if we can be that source of, of, of help for you, uh, so be it. But, I mean, you mentioned you you work with a couple of organizations here that have been great for you. Fantastic. Like, it's mm-hmm. just reach out for help, mm-hmm. whether it's us or somebody else. It's just it's important. You shouldn't have to go through this by yourself. Absolutely. Well, you sound like the type of leader that's not going to stop until you get to those million families. <laughs> and uh, so thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being here. And uh, I wish you all the success in the world to continue with this this initiative because it is so important. Thank and you. Uh, thanks yeah, for it really sharing is, it with Michael, us today. It is, you know, I totally ditto what Angel just shared. 
um, this is great that you're here, that you're doing this, because that's the problem. You become a caregiver. Where do I go? What do I do? Right. Where's the help? It's paralyzing. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Yes. Exactly right. And and suddenly you are, I don't want to use a, a disease, but you're afflicted with what, <laughs> I mean, you're a part of the whole program now. Yeah. So what do I do? The whole scenario. If you so, don't address uh, it, it could actually start yeah. to affect you physically Absolutely. as well, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, Kara Loop, what are we, uh, closing thoughts? We give you 30 seconds to wrap it up and, and share anything you'd like. You know, I think we've uh, we've done a good job covering it, guys. We, um, we're a company that just, we love doing what we what we do every day. Um, if you think, if you're listening to this and you think that this is something that might be helpful, uh, come visit us, reach out to us, ask yeah, out. give us uh, the website. For, what might it be? It's uh, just caraloop.com, C-A-R-I-L-O-O-P.com. Uh, please reach out. We'd love to, to chat with you and see yep. how we can be of assistance. Fantastic. Michael Walsh, CEO, Caraloop. Thank you for all you continue to do. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. All right. Leading the way. And, of course, the Insight segment coming up Yes, we'll with be- our good friend Jay Jamrock. That's right. When we come back. What are best practices? Are they what set you apart from your competition? Or are they simply what most companies do to stay in the race? At the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, We focus on next practices, and that focus is what today's high-performance organizations rely on to lead the way. Next practices are tactics and strategies that our research has discovered have a great impact on market performance, but that few companies are using. They are what will define market leadership in the years ahead. I4CP helps you see around the curve so your company can adapt and take advantage of emerging trends in the ever-evolving world of human capital. We want you to lead the way. So join our team, I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way. Welcome back to Leading the Way. Here are your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Great to have you along as we continue on with this edition of Leading the Way. We're going to be here till 5 o'clock this afternoon. Insight segment. Up next, and always delighted, uh, Angel and I are our good friend, uh, long time, I'm trying to think of a good name. We've called him iconic. We've called him legendary. Angel, can you think of any other superlative that we might add to that before I mention I4CP co-founder and futurist Jay Jamrock? What comes to mind? Angel? Captain America. Captain America. <laughs> sure, why not? Oh, my gosh. Superhero. Oh, my gosh. You say that, gosh, we're going to be looking for Hollywood to come out with a movie before we uh, turn around. Well, Jay, how are you? I'm doing great, Chad. How are you? Hi, Angel. Hello there. Well, we're doing uh, fine. What would you think of uh, Michael sure. Walsh? Have you ever heard of an organization called Caraloop? Is I mean, what they do day to day, this is, uh, is kind of unique, huh? Well, you know, as a futurist, Scott, we started looking at the elder care issue years and years ago, knowing that the trend was going to hit society between the eyes. And if you think about it, today we have 10,000 people turning 70 every single day. Wow. We have people, uh, whole groups of people that are going to live longer than we ever expected all these people to earn. So if you're looking at one in five being caregivers today, okay, think about with this aging population, living longer, and the last two years of your life, you need the most care. You know, not only is it stress on the caregivers, but one of the things that we saw in our research was it was a loss of good talent. A lot of times people have to drop out of the workforce to be caregivers. And these are the most talented, most empathetic, most caring people that you want to have on your team. And they end up having to leave the organization because they don't have the resources to help whatever relative they're helping. So it's, uh, it's a trend that's going to continue to get worse and worse or better and better if we have more people like Michael stepping up the plate with new solutions. Makes all the sense in the world. And yeah. as I mentioned just a short time ago, Angel and I were talking about it when we were talking about Michael. I had no idea. I lost my dad about 10 years ago. He was my mentor. He was my role model my entire life. And, of course, right behind him was my mom. And now I am a caregiver. Never thought I'd yeah. be a part of it. So uh, learning firsthand what it's all about. And does it take time? financially and personally and emotionally and all those things, you better believe it. It's unbelievable. Angel, take it away. Oh, I'm sorry, Jay, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, Angel, go for it. Well, Michael shared with us. I mean, I yeah, I totally agree, and and I'm not in that situation, but I certainly sympathize with you, Scott. Um, But I I definitely want to talk about some of the things that Michael shared with us, especially their uh, VCO model or their Mm value-centric organization model 
where the company revolves around their core values, which are service, empathy, innovation, and integrity. Jay, I'm dying to know what you think of of Caroloop's VCO. Well, yeah, you know, for one, uh, Angel, I love it. Uh, I think more most organizations today in this hyper buka world we're living in are realizing that purpose means a whole hell of a lot. And young people want to work for companies that have a purpose. So this value-centric organization, you're seeing more and more of the high-performing organizations really trying to get a handle on what does this mean for us? Sometimes for a non-for-profit, it's easier than for for for-profits. But still, that purpose, those values, and how can we drive values throughout the organization? This year, we're about to kick off a big study on culture. We know that culture drives values and values drive culture. So how can you influence that? How can you change that? How can you make this an important part of organizations? And a lot of organizations are struggling, especially the bigger ones. So I love it. I think it's right on. It's as you grow, can you maintain it is the, high, is the biggest issue. And I like the way he has each employee has to pass it on to the next employee. So it's still, you know, they, it's not up to him to pass it on, but it's up to the organization to pass it on, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and I like the interconnectivity happening mm-hmm. in this yeah. model, too. So, yeah, that's, that's exactly uh, what I was thinking as well. Scott? Well, I tell you what, one of the things that we heard Michael share with all three of us, and that was as a futurist, Jay, this kind of really referred to you, has this been a concern some companies have already recognized with the AG Boomer generation? You mentioned it about that you, you've been doing this research for some time. Um, but when I heard about it, I went, wow, where did this come from? Yeah, so a lot of companies have realized it. But as Michael pointed out, they've been trying to address the issue with, like, flex time or work at home or with uh, the, these um, assistant groups that would help you know, help them employee assistance programs, um, and they're all well and good. But what you do see is there's a, what he has tapped into is the need for a coach to map out your plan and to have somebody sit down with you and map out a strategy for attacking the issue rather than most of the other ones are like, here's a temporary fix, here's a temporary fix, here's a temporary fix. Whereas this whole coaching model with the high-tech, high-touch that he's had really impresses me because what we see is when we were doing the research before that more people need these experts to sit down with them and map out a strategy uh, that can last four or five years. So it's, it's, I I think more and more are going to go that way. Like I say, most bigger companies have been aware of the issue, but they've been tackling it in fits and starts. Yep, makes all the sense in the world, but they really don't have any choice now. <laughs> Step up to the plate. It's a part of our society, no question about that. When you've got such yeah, a tight it, labor market, when you got such a tight labor market, and it probably is going to continue, especially with skills. Today, we for every open position, we only have one person applying for jobs. It's a one-to-one ratio. It used to be seven-to-one, and that one-to-one does not have the skills anymore. So banking on replacing people, um, like they're a dime a dozen, is not a good strategy anymore. You've got to look at how am I going to retain? How am I going to develop? How am I going to keep them engaged? And it's more than just a paycheck. Yep, absolutely. Angel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's tools like Caroloop that really help the uh, the situation, help the employee become more engaged and in increasing that communication between family so I, I yeah, love it. But this is a little this is a little bit off, but I've got to tell you, I think that the organizations are going to be becoming more of a community. And it's a community to help individuals face the things that they're facing, whether it's being a good parent, whether it's being a good husband or wife, whether it's facing the fears that we have in the external world, whether it's facing whatever is terrorism, whatever helping the children education, helping you with your student debt. There's a lot that organizations are stepping up to help communities be healthier. Yeah, I love that. I love that vision of a community workplace. And we know yeah. companies are becoming more creative, more generous with their benefits uh, to attract better talent, higher quality talent. What are your thoughts about organizations 
offering this type of benefit for those employees that are caregivers? Yeah, well, I think it's spot on. Uh, I think you can only, it would only have a big ROI for companies. Not only with the employee, you'll keep the employee, you'll be less likely to leave. The employee will be less stressed, to be more productive. And more, you know, if you're, most of the time when I do my interviews, I hear this. If you're willing to invest in me, I'm willing to invest in you. So more companies can invest to help their people be more productive. The bigger the ROI is going to be. I just think that I know he's done a little. I didn't read, read his white paper, so I don't know if it's in there. But I would love to see case studies that were the ROI of this, and because I'm sure there's a big payoff for it. Well, I tell you what, we've oh, got I, time for. Go ahead, Angel. I just think it would be an interesting study. I was just going to comment yeah, on that. It would correct. be really interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that myself. I totally, totally, totally agree. We're kind of running down on time here, Jay, so let me just toss in one more question. You talked about the importance of uh, balancing high-tech and high-touch a moment ago. We've listened to that throughout the show. Just your thoughts again or any other closing thoughts you might share that maybe we didn't ask you about when it comes to Caraloop balancing tech and touch for their customers and why it's so important today. And you've really kind of alluded to that. Anything else, though, that you might add? Well, we've been watching this. We, we know that for every trend, there's always counter trends. And years ago, uh, there was a book that came out called Mega Trends. And one of the trends that he was watching was high tech. And he said, for, you know, he said, with every trend, there's counter trends. And he said that it's going to be the more human beings have high tech, they're going to want more high touch. And we've been watching this and we haven't seen the high touch aspect of high tech. We've been seeing it recently, and especially in the last five years of research, we did three big studies with Gen Z, young people, and millennials, and young, uh, younger millennials. And they want more high-touch, face-to-face communication. They want face-to-face feedback. They want experiences. They want the high-tech, too. But they also want the high-touch. They want a coach, a teacher, a mentor that they can talk to, they can visit, that can eye-to-eye. They want that older mentor that can help them along the way. That's that high-touch experience. You're seeing it with all kinds of things with online services, high-tech, high-touch, just like Michael has. So we're, we're dying for that high-tech. We're dying for the high-touch, too, uh, because when it becomes stressful, the technology does not help you get over the stress. Well, I it's tell you. Other, it's other people who have gone through the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, what I started to say there here, Jay, is uh, we can't thank you enough for your knowledge and your incredible wisdom that you share with us each and every week. I4CP co-founder and futurist. And now, as we mentioned at the top of the program, occasionally referred to as Captain America. Jay Jamrog, thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Angel. Thank you, Scott. All right. We'll see you next week. And again, our thanks to Michael Walsh, CEO of Caraloop. That'll do it for this week's edition of Leading the Way. Till next week, I'm Scott Murray. And I'm Angel Carlton. And as we always remind you, live your legacy by leading the way. So long, everybody.